Welcome back to the Fiblier podcast. This week we're going to look at part two of the story I introduced last week called The Retirement Cruise. We also have good news that the podcast has been accepted on several more platforms, so now more people can hear it. It'd be appreciated if you could go ahead and share this podcast with your friends. They were finally ready to set sail, and they were welcomed by nice weather and calm seas. The first couple of days, she spent most of the time getting trained on everything that she needed to take care of on board. Of the grumpy passengers, she was lucky to only have two assigned to her. Though it was difficult, she still did her best to be friendly and treat them like she treated the other passengers. On the fifth day, it was possible to see other ships far in the distance. They would maneuver to their position in the giant formation, and there they would stay. They were to take their spot behind last month's boat in the 27th concentric ring. In a few years, the 28th ring would be started, and it would rotate in the opposite direction. Looking forward, Kate could see roughly 10 boats. Looking off the port bow, she could see roughly the same number of concentric rings of boats, each ring spinning in opposition to its neighbors. At first, the large boats were all she could see, but as she looked closer, she could see hundreds of smaller boats sipping in and out between the larger ones, as if performing a complicated dance. These were the supply boats responsible for keeping the fleet of retirement vessels fueled with plenty of food. The supply boat would come every two weeks, and Kate's ship, the Honeywell, could be resupplied without having to break ranks. Each boat was equipped with the ability to receive the supply ships, allowing them to dock inside. Kate quickly got used to life aboard the boat and had managed to make friends with many of the passengers and crew. She could tell that many of the passengers were starting to get bored as many had resolved to clean their own rooms, just to give themselves something to do. Kate had even heard of a few people asking to be allowed into the kitchen so they could help with meal prep. This was strictly forbidden but that didn't stop anyone. The passengers couldn't be punished for breaking the rules, but the crew could be for allowing them to do these things. During the third week of the fourth month, most of the kitchen was run by the passengers, as three quarters of the kitchen had been restricted to their rooms for a week for allowing passengers in the kitchen. There was an attempt at entertainment several times a day, but this got old quickly. By the second year, most people were either on the verge of going crazy or already there. One morning, Kate was out on deck doing her morning walk when she noticed something was off. She gazed over the horizon and scanned it. It took her a while to figure out what the difference was. Finally, she realized there were no other boats in view. They were steaming ahead at full power, away from the group. She ran to find the captain. She ran to the bridge and found her dismay. Captain wasn't there, but instead two of the passengers who had been known to pull the most elaborate pranks of anyone on the boat. Just what do you think you're doing? Where's the captain? Calm down, Mayor Firecracker. We know what we're doing. Your captain personally trained us in how to pilot the ship. Maybe so, but I highly doubt he gave you permission for us to break from our position in the formation. You're right. He didn't. He didn't give us permission. Well, we figured that what he doesn't know won't hurt him. But he's bound to find out. 
it's not exactly difficult to tell that there are no other boats around us. Why don't you stop your worrying about it? We'll have the Honeywell back in its position in no time. Besides, Captain's drunk out of his mind. We have plenty of time. Kate stared at these two in amazement, what she just heard. As far as she knew, Captain Lawrence was a teetotaler. She had never seen him take a sip of alcohol. Yet these two were saying he was drunk. Kate decided to visit the captain to see if what she'd heard was true. She didn't even get to his room before she could smell alcohol. She stepped in front of his door and prepared a knock, but the smell was such that she decided against it. There was little Kate could do, as she had not been trained on how to pilot the boat, and she figured if she tried too hard to stop the rogue mission, Brad and Jeremy would simply leave it with no one at the helm. Kate told her supervisor and was told not to meddle with Robin Boyce. By noon, they were still heading in the direction away from the other boats. Kate was about to try to convince the Robin Boyce to turn around when she saw what looked like a small island on the horizon. One of the deckhands shouted, Land ho! And the rest of the crew celebrated this announcement. Kate looked up at the bridge and saw the Robin Boyce high-fiving each other and celebrating. As it got close, the island got bigger and the boat got slower. Finally, when it was 100 yards from shore, it shuddered to a stop and its anchor was set. Jeremy quickly kicked into the leader of everyone aboard. Within minutes, he had gotten the first people in lifeboats and was sending them ashore. Kate stood amazed at the flagrant flaunting of the ship rules, but like everyone else, she was ready to get off for a while and experience the feel of solid ground beneath her feet. Finally, it was her turn to go ashore, and she climbed into the lifeboat. In her excitement about getting off, she had taken her shoes off and left them behind. She did this as she didn't want anything slowing down her trip to the beach. She was ready to feel the sand beneath her feet once more. All afternoon, the lifeboats continued making trips back and forth. As it drew near evening, several people were getting back in so they could go back and eat. Jeremy tried to convince people that he had food on the way. This convinced a few people to stay, but still a majority wanted to head back to the boat. No one on the island had heard anything about the captain, which was likely Brad's work as he had stayed behind to manage what was happening on board the boat. Kate was sure they were going to meet many people in trouble for allowing this stunt to occur. She definitely didn't want to be the first crewman back on board. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Feblier Podcast. This was part two of the retirement cruise. Come back next week and we'll hear another part of the story. If you like this story, make sure you go back to last week's episode and hear the story there. If you haven't followed us on Twitter yet, make sure you do that and give us ideas for other things you'd like to hear on the podcast. You can follow us at Fabliera. That's F-A-B-L-E-E-R-A.